welcome to Moment of Truth with Amy Chen Mills. That's me, where we present clear thinking on confusing topics in challenging times. Today, I was supposed to welcome two special guests. One of them has had a family mishap, Amy Westervelt. Uh, But I'm going to say that one of our guests, and that is Christina Johnson, who I'm going to introduce in a minute, is in the middle of battling the fascist tentacles of a thousand tentacled global octopus in her own hometown of Temecula, California. Our show today fueling fascism, the GOP, Christianity, and the fossil fuel industry. Our guests were going to be Amy Westervelt of the award-winning podcast site Critical Frequency, specializing in narrative podcasts. Amy produced Unfinished Short Creek, named one of the best podcasts of the year by The New Yorker and The Atlantic, and received a Wilbur Award for Religion Reporting. I am going to highly recommend that people go to Amy's Critical Frequency dot org website because after you know I've been binge listening to her podcasts and it has been so eye-opening to understand that this woman and this woman-led podcast company have been producing deep investigative reports on the fossil fuel industry the GOP disinformation propaganda and Christianity as one of the supports for all of this probably since before 2017. Uh, So we are going to get her back on with us if she doesn't join us tonight. And in the meantime, I also want to introduce Christina Johnson, who is a regular contributor to Moment of Truth. She is a single POC mother with three kids, two of whom are LGBTQ plus in the Temecula school system, where Christian nationalists have banned books, curriculum, and pride flags turning school board meetings into religious extremist chaotic clown shows. Christina is passionate about raising awareness regarding the extremist takeover of our public schools as someone who, in her own words, grew up in aggressive conservative Christian religion and knows how deep that rabbit hole can go. Welcome, Christina. Can you hear me? Hello, hello. There you are. Thank you so much for joining us. So welcome. And before we jump into our interview, however, we are going to uh, do a roundup of what Christo nationalist tentacles look like in one liberal community, our own moment of truth and K-Squid community here in California, with apologies to cephalopods everywhere. And we did, we did invite <laughs> our special guest, uh, another special guest, uh, because Amy uh, hasn't been able to make it so far, and that's Mailing Obanada, who is a roving reporter for the Moment of Truth team. She's in studio with us, and thank goodness she's here. Welcome, Mailing Obanada. Thanks, Amy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the news here. And if you guys have any comments to make, I will pause and see if you have comments to make. But if you want to jump in on anything, please let me know. Christina, you may actually know about some of this stuff, uh, given that you've been dealing with Christofascism in Temecula, California. Rampant. Um, Yeah. So and we're going to get to that. But first, we want to talk a little bit about, I mean, Temecula could go like either way, right? I mean, you've got these big church communities there that seem to be supportive of conservatives. And my understanding is that there were two conservatives already on your school board by the time Moms for Liberty got there and elected or got someone elected to create a majority. Is that correct? Um, You know, I would have to double check on if there were two of the more extremist conservatives that were already in seat. The uh, main 
three that came in and started ruffling feathers were not pre-existing. Um, so I'm not sure who they might be referring to. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I do know that like Steven Schwartz and some of the other members that were already standing are of the more uh, reasonable, <laughs> experienced um, career professionals. Serious who, about education and so exactly. forth. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. So just in case you don't know, Temecula, California is a little town in Southern California. I don't know how little it is. Um, but right. this is growing where, every day, growing every day. And this is where Moms for Liberty folks or there are people who are aligned with Moms for Liberty, which would be sort of Christian nationalists, have taken over the school board. It's been in the news a lot because they've sort of gone head to head with the uh, State Department of Education and uh, Tony Thurman, who is our state superintendent of schools in terms of rejecting state you know, state curriculum um, and and other things. So we're going to get into that. Uh, We're going to start with the local news in a progressive community, which is our community of Santa Cruz, California, and your community, wherever you may be, um, may be also kind of a liberal community. So in the news or the lack thereof, we had to find out for ourselves at Moment of Truth and not from any of our better funded local news outlets that some of our own massive development projects In our deep blue city of Santa Cruz, we're linked to the growing neo-fascist movement led currently by the GOP. We reported here first that Anton Dev co-founder Steve Eggert of what is called the Taco Bell Apartment Building Project uh, in downtown Santa Cruz hosted DeSantis in Sacramento when nearly no one else would. And we reported first that the developer of the 908 Ocean Street Project High Street Residential is the local alias for the Trammell Crow Company owned by CBRE, an affiliate of Crow Holdings, the Harlan Crow Family Company, and to which CBRE must pay an annual licensing fee in order to use Crow Company names. Harlan Crow, fiscal sponsor of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, is chairman of the board at Crow Holdings, established to manage the capital of the Crow family. We get complaints from the local Yes in My Backyard, or Yimby contingent about all of this reporting. And well, yes, perhaps you do need to lie down with dogs when you are trying to densify, metropolize, or ruin a city, depending on how you look at it. But that does not mean you will also not end up with a few fleas. <laughs> Mei Ling, do you have any comments? Because actually, you've done a lot of research on this, along with Nyanko, who's also on the on the research team for Moment of Truth. I guess I would say that when you think about just how money flows around in a given town, you don't think of like these giant pools of money, right, in your hometown and just understanding how various parties are extracting wealth and, you know, how does that wealth leave your town and go into the pockets of some very powerful people? So I think that's that's there's like a shock factor in that. Yeah, it's uh, according to the research that we've done, CBRE is like perhaps the largest real estate company in the world. Is that correct? I think they're like top for commercial real estate. Yeah. But they yeah. have residential as well. Yeah. So. So it's a lot. And and I was talking to someone who's been very involved in watching city politics and was involved in actually the suit against the city council when they uh, were not forcing the inclusionary ruling that was established by Measure O, who was saying that what's very clear is that there's a lot of outside capital 
coming to Santa Cruz, uh, California, this sort of what we consider to be sort of a little town. Uh, and so that's clear. Um, whether or not Harlan Crow is terribly involved with this particular project, we don't know. We do know that there's a relationship between CBRE, Crow Holdings, uh, the Harlan Crow Family Company, and um, Trammell Crow Company, and CBRE. Yeah, there's a lot of room for sarcasm. I'm fighting the urge for sarcasm as well. <laughs> right, aren't you? Because it's like, it's really hard to say crow in so many different contexts. And yeah, and to see the various connections, it's, it's just fascinating. So um, I'm going to continue a little bit. Uh, pick through the Yimby dog's coat and you might find a few other pesky critters, one of whom would be Nolan Gray, California Yimby's research director and frequent contributor to the Manhattan Institute's City News Magazine. The Manhattan Institute is a far-right think tank and home to Christopher Rufo, originator of the critical race theory as boogeyman strategy for the current neo-fascist movement and policy director at the Manhattan Institute. The Institute is home as well to frequent City News contributor Diane Yap, whose thinly concealed racist slurs against black Americans have now become famous. Her last tweet about reparations... And this is because actually the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco has voted to approve reparations, payment of reparations to black residents in the city. Um, her last tweet about reparations started with the sentences, no, black Americans owe the rest of us reparations for all the crime. Oh, I saw that. Ooh, I, I saw know, that. I know. Awful. I know. So this was an inflammatory lead to a tweet that she then walks back quickly before her own callous twist on reparations, which is, well, none of us were responsible for slavery and redlining and, you know, <laughs> and yet, of course, many people benefited, many white people in particular benefited from all of that legislation. That's just what I was going to say. I don't see anyone passing up the benefits um, that, that have been passed down through time. No one's giving that up. Yeah. Just want to throw that out there. That's right. That's right. So my comment on that tweet was, wow, Diane, that's just what came into my mind. Um, and the tagline on Yap's substack, sub she runs a substack, is critical race theory is a cancer on our society. Comments. I see <laughs> Mei Ling is throwing her hands in the air. I'm just thinking that most people don't necessarily even know what that is. What critical, what critical race yeah. theory is, so I'm not sure it can even be a cancer. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, get one of them to explain it. Aren't there endless little videos making fun of these folks when they are asked to actually granularly break it down and explain to us exactly what it is they are talking about, and none of them can do it. It's all feelings and what they think it means, and it becomes, that's really what's so dangerous about it, is it's undefined. So it becomes whatever faceless boogeyman they say it is, and it now encompasses anything that has to do with black history, civil rights, acknowledging the systemic racism that we deal with, um, anything that education, just plain simple educations that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past is now critical race theory. We're not going to talk about it. Well, and it's interesting because what 
Diane Yap put in her tweet was redlining. Um, you know, uh, you know, you, you can read all about some of the policies in The Some of Us by Heather McGee, where she talks about how city parks and swimming pools were actually filled with cement when cities had to deal with the idea of desegregating yes. a city public facilities. Um, we have the Homestead Act, you know, really where only white people were allowed to go out and conquer, you know, and 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 take over these lands, which actually belonged to indigenous people. Um, and all of that wealth that was accumulated through generations of this kind of inequity, actually Diane Yap mentions in her tweet and then she says, critical race theory is a cancer in our society on her Substack page. And to me, what she already admitted is that there is such a thing as critical race theory, which my understanding of critical race theory is that it's about just analyzing history in terms of systemic racism, that there's racism within our institutions. There has been since the founding of this country, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it's technically, I believe, a, a college level course. It's yeah, not right. something right. that is presented in elementary schools and everywhere that they are making a big stink about it and pretending that um, CRT now means anything that's talking about Martin Luther King or, hey, there was a black child on that math poster that makes white children feel excluded. We need to take that down. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, turned into this beast yeah, this beast that you just sort of wave around. And that's that was actually, you know, the brainchild of Christopher Rufo to say, let's make this the boogeyman and make everybody afraid and therefore shut down curriculums and AP classes, two of which have already been uh, banned from the state of Florida, AP Psychology and AP African-American Studies. Banned. Psychology. Psychology, that, that... yes. That got me. Like, I, I understood when they did the African-American studies. I disagree, of course, but right. we saw that coming. That that wasn't a shocker. Psychology was really a whoa moment. Like, okay, we're now going after just straight up medicine, science. It's more than history. We are really trying to dumb everyone down significantly. Yeah. yeah. And it was because there was mention of LGBTQ plus right. issues in, you know, as that LGBTQ plus people actually are not mentally unhealthy, for example. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so moving right along, it was a Yimby Yap consortium, and meaning Diane Yap, including California State Senator Scott Weiner, that helped recall three school board members and one progressive DA in San Francisco with millions of dollars from far right tech bros who have taken to unapologetically scapegoating the unhoused, while at the same time, local Yimby chapters keep telling us how very much they care. I don't know where this is all going, but I, for one, don't particularly like it. The Manhattan Institute was co-founded by former CIA director Bill Casey in 1978 and is funded largely by major multinational corporations and conservative foundations, including ExxonMobil, RJR Nabisco, Philip Morris, Bristol Myers, and Pfizer. Other funders include the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Lind and Harry Bradley Foundation. One of the largest far-right conservative think tanks in the nation. I thought that Bill and Melinda Gates was interesting. Um, I'm just yeah. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I know, right? <laughs> and, um, we are sitting here with Mailing Obanada, who's been doing research for the Moment of Truth team. Christina Johnson, who calls herself an accidental activist. She is a single POC mother in Temecula, California, with two queer kids in the school system down there. Um, and we're going to get to her story in a little bit. Right now, we're talking about how 
what I'm calling neo-fascism is impacting our own community. Um, and I think it's problematic when you have, you know, sort of this YIMBY movement and, and you know, we can debate whether or not market rate housing is something we need or not. That's like a whole nother show. But when people are talking about caring so much about the unhoused, when we see that the far right is scapegoating the unhoused and, you know, they don't have anything good to say about the unhoused. And these are people who are funding the recalls of very progressive uh officials, elected officials in San Francisco, including the DA, the progressive DA. And to be honest, from what I understand, crime rates have not gone down because they recalled the progressive DA. They've gone up. Mei Ling. Yes. So what's interesting is that statistics matter when the DA is someone you don't like. But when the DA is someone you like, that part, <laughs> yeah, the statistics, like what numbers are so contextual? So it's just interesting to see how people are reacting to the way this crime is happening and how are they going to frame this narrative? It's like, I think that puts advocates in a difficult spot because they, there's no explanation. Right. And then my concern, too, is that here we have people who are calling themselves Democrats to get elected in predominantly Democratic, progressive cities like San Francisco. You have centrist or corporate Democrats recalling progressive Democrats in alignment with far right money, far right billionaire money, far right tech bro money. And these people are the same people who are funding the kind of propaganda that the Manhattan Institute is putting out, not just about um, critical race theory, but also Christopher Rufo wrote an article just recently at the Manhattan Institute at uh, the magazine called, what is it called? City News. Uh, and this essay that he wrote was called The Horrors of Gender Affirming Care, May 23rd from the City Journal. Okay, so that is fascism as far as I'm concerned. The way that this propaganda is coming out against trans people, which is something that we've been dealing with in our own community. And of course, Christina has also been dealing with, and there's no excuse as far as I'm concerned. If you're going to scapegoat people who are the least well understood or the least understood people in our society who already have a hard enough time just living their lives without being hassled, bullied, abused, possibly even attacked violently. Um, how are you aligning with people like that? and saying that you are, quote, liberal, quote, progressive, quote, for the unhoused, quote, for the oppressed, I, I'm i just not buying it anymore. I think at one point I was thinking about buying it. When, I just wanted to go back to your point about uh, recall elections. So we, most voters understand what is gerrymandering. You're cherry picking voters in a physical space. Recall elections you can think of as cherry-picking voters in a certain window of time. And so voter behavior definitely depends on the year, the month, et cetera, et cetera, what else people are voting on. So if you time it right, you can make your recall coincide with like the voter base most likely to vote your way. Right. That's usually in the spring. That's usually in June or March. We have our next election in March. So that's going to be like our primary election for a lot of our very important seats here in Santa Cruz, California. And people are concerned because a lot of people aren't going to come out and vote. They come out and vote during presidential 
election year, so that would be 2024 in November, but March, we'll see. Uh, anyway, it just sort of speaks to, you know, our basic message. If we don't use our democracy, we lose our democracy. Okay, I'm going to finish up on the news here. On our last show, we reported that Ron DeSantis had come to nearby Salinas, California, a predominantly agricultural area, and was coming again to meet with large-scale ag industry owners on September 28th. We wondered if Salinas would mount a response, and they did several times, actually with many protests, I think three to five protests. And made the Central Coast proud with protesters from United Farm Workers, Padres Unidos, the Salinas Coalition, and more. This was the protest outside of the country club where DeSantis met with ag leaders. The Salinas City Council voted unanimously with one abstention to denounce DeSantis's visit. The Monterey Weekly covered this in their article of September 28th. And we have our own report from one protester who was there that day. Hello, my name is Adam Coronado. I'm one of the organizers here in the city of Salinas. Um, within the past week, we've seen over four different protests take place in different parts of the community. It didn't take the community of Salinas by surprise that big acts such as the Taylor Farms, the Derrigo, the Church Brother Farms, amongst others, were the ones that hosted DeSantis at the Corral del Tierra Country Club. These tickets were $3,300 each, and this money will go to support his presidential campaign. Um, Ron DeSantis signed SB 1718 into law this summer. This piece of Florida legislation went into effect as of July 1st, imposing strict restrictions and heavy penalties to deter undocumented workers from being employed in the state of Florida. Big Act has been notorious for the ongoing exploitation of people of color and forcing them to work under harmful conditions like laboring under pesticide sprays, working long hours, and although it is a billion dollar industry, it doesn't pay their workers a living wage. DeSantis has also written anti-LGBTQIA, anti-abortion, anti-immigration laws. These policies put their lives of many people in danger and make them most vulnerable to hate crimes. When we think about anti-immigration laws, we have to first understand the exploitation that these workers experience. It doesn't matter if you're ill, if it's raining, or if there's a heat wave. These workers can miss a day of work because they can't afford it, which is very inhumane. Our people have more to offer than just picking lettuce or vegetables to feed the whole entire nation. We are humans and our lives matter. So when we have these billion dollar industries that support people like DeSantis, we can never forget and we have to hold them accountable. So whenever we hear their last names, whenever we hear them, we have to remember what they stand for. They are the enablers of the country that was built on slavery and genocide of our people. These billion dollars industries are built out of the sacrifices and sweats that our people have to go through every day. And we definitely seen other parties say, oh, well, you know, our First Amendment right. Well, in the spirit of our First Amendment right, we exercise all rights of freedom of speech. The freedom to speak out against these who wish to scapegoat the goal, the most vulnerable marginalized communities in our country it is not enough to simply post something on social media. It is important to gather and rally together and protest individuals who only seek to profit and exploit hardworking campesinos, not just in Florida, but everywhere else. And in our own very backyard in the Salinas Valley by the rich farmers, whose name hasn't changed since the days of Cesar Chavez because the legacy of exploitation and abuse of indigenous people continue to happen. So that's what we're asking people to really know what's happening here on the local level, to really understand why we are standing against these politicians, why we're standing against big agriculture companies, because they are the ones exploiting our people and they're going to continue to do it. So that was Iram Coronado speaking on behalf of Salinas protesters against DeSantis's visit to ag industry leaders there. So here to talk about the mounting fascist movement and the forces behind this movement 
are one of our two guests. Um, we are unfortunately missing Amy Westervelt, but we do have with us accidental activist and ex-evangelical Christina Johnson, who has been fighting the Christo-Nationalist majority on the school board in Temecula, California. And first, Christina, I just want to ask if hearing all of this, did anything has anything occurred to you? Because I know you've looked into some of the funding. I mean, this Moms for Liberty group is heavily astroturfed. Um, you know, they don't, they're not very candid about their finances. They're like, oh, we just raise money through buying t-shirts. <laughs> right, right. But when we look about, when we look at the amount of money that's like coming through the Manhattan Institute, for example, um, and other right-wing foundations like, you know, coming through to Heritage Foundation and Turning Point USA and this and that, you know, whether they're foundations or political organizations or PACs, it's a lot. It's millions, possibly billions of dollars. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about what we've been talking about. Yeah, I'm over here just like making little points so I don't forget because my brain goes 100 miles an hour when we're talking about this stuff. There's just so much. Yeah. Um, Following the money. Absolutely. Look, I make T-shirts on the side here and I don't I'm not sitting on millions yet. So if there's a secret they can tell me that doesn't involve appealing to fascists, I would love to know. But I have a feeling that that is the secret sauce that they're pulling from is that big money and um, this fake astroturf pretend grassroots where they hit these little towns and make it seem like these are desires coming from little uh, uh, just parts of America that are exactly we're working with our hands we're the farmers we're the small towners and this is what we want and that is not true as you guys just saw in Santa Cruz County they show up with their own entourage and their own narrative and try to get people to sign on to it but how did they get there you know who's paying for all those flights it wasn't t-shirts so that's um, right and you know we just had them as you know in Watsonville and they were like I think it was about two weeks ago on a Sunday And um, according to people who went, you know, to observe, to witness what was happening, there were these huge American flags everywhere. They had a barbecue, you know, they I don't know if they rented out the space, but it wasn't, you know, like a low cost type of event. Right. Right. And you know what's interesting? I just wanted to say real quick while we were talking about um, all of these statements that come from these people, the communities they target, the policies they want to make, just the things that they say is usually coming from people who do not have personal ties to anyone in these communities or at least not a significant sample. You know, they don't have trans friends. They don't have gay friends. They don't have real black friends. They found the one black guy who thinks that all black people should still be slaves and that's their one black friend. You know, they're not hanging out with me. So, um, and and they, they stand in front of these microphones and just hurl all these slurs and offensive statements as though they are fact when they are speaking without any personal experience whatsoever. And Just, a lot, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 uh, It's but that's what it is. And I mean, DeSantis coming to California just rubs me so much of the wrong way. I mean, this man is single-handedly just tearing that state to shreds while telling people that California is falling apart. We're 
demonically democratic and we're we're filled with thugs and drugs and all this stuff so then why is he out here why is he trying to talk to people out here if if we're a cesspool that's falling off the edge of the earth then just let us fall why are you out here trying to speak to the latino hispanic communities in california after you just waged war against them in florida well i don't know if he i don't know who he's talking to but in in this case it was (laughs) you know it was big big huge corporate agricultural business owners Taylor Farms and a number oh, gotcha. of other very big organizations. Um, we're going to need to go to a break right now. Uh, you are listening to Moment of Truth with Amy Chen Mills. globe people advocating for climate action whether they're students showing up at protests or lawyers arguing in court are being retaliated against by industries and politicians that feel threatened by that advocacy i'm amy westerville and over the next several months we will be following this trend across borders looking at everything from the history of environmental protest and the suppression of it to the way think tanks help to push legislation that criminalizes protests to tactics used by both corporations and law enforcement, from infiltrating movements to stripping environmental organizations of their nonprofit status and labeling protesters domestic terrorists. That was Amy Westervelt of the Critical Frequency uh, podcast company, which is run by women. Um, she is the producer and the voice for several podcasts that have won amazing awards. Uh, she's also been a journalist in, you know, in The Atlantic and The Guardian and um, everywhere. Um, so go to criticalfrequency.org and you will find the podcast drilled. You will find the podcast rigged. You will find podcasts about um, American indigenous sovereignty and the... Um, and the efforts to undermine indigenous sovereignty uh, by the courts at this time. So so anyway, she was going to be with us, Amy Westervelt, and I was hoping she could really speak to how the fossil fuel industry, the Christian church, especially the evangelical church and the GOP, along with, you know, clearly many corporate Democrats, um, have been fueling the kind of fascism that we're seeing now. So we are talking about fascism. People think that's a charged word. More and more people are using it now to describe what's happening. We have the leading GOP contender calling for the execution um, of uh, military, uh, our military leaders. We we just heard Donald Trump call for the execution of shoplifters uh, just in the streets. And I thought to myself, well, there go all our teenagers right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. so when this person is the leader of the or the front runner of the GOP, we clearly have a problem. Now, I'm going to go ahead and define fascism so that we can all get our minds around it. If you think I'm being uh, if you think I'm being extreme in using that word, 
The definition of fascism from Merriam-Webster is a political philosophy movement or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation and forcible suppression of opposition, a tendency toward or actual exercise of strong autocratic or dictatorial control. So here we have perhaps the second in line to the GOP nomination, Ron DeSantis criminalizing migrants, making it a federal offense to have an undocumented migrant in your car with you, criminalizing trans human beings, criminalizing LGBTQ plus human beings, and basically shutting down free speech and history in our schools about, by, and for such people, uh, including black people and people of color. We have Trump, as I said, calling for executions, extrajudicial executions at this time. Uh, and I've been using this word since 2016, just because I think there are those of us who actually could tell by his personality at a very early stage before he became president and because of all the white supremacists showing up at his rallies and the violence that was encouraged at those rallies, what was coming down the pike. Um, and then we have in our own community, uh, GOP shock troops, Moms for Liberty, showing up for a recruiting meeting in Watsonville. We have an uh, Instagram influencer who's a parent at one of the schools who is very publicly spewing the kind of propaganda that leads to violence against the LGBTQ plus population. I'm not even going to name this person because... He's gotten way more attention than he deserves. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So let's start with Christina. When I talk about this word fascism and free speech, the freedom to tell our own stories, for example, I know you've been on the show with us before, but what, what were, if you could run down some of the things that happened when the Christian Na Christo nationalists took over the school board, what were you know? I you've you've summarized this before, but I think it's good to hear it again. Yeah, there no, are a lot I'd... of people I think tuning in who are like in Stop Moms for Liberty groups and so forth. Absolutely, there are always new people coming in, going, "Wait, what is going on? They just popped up in our town. What is you know happening?" So uh, it's never um, a burden to recap because they really do just slide in uh -huh. when no one's thinking about it. Um, these folks, we had one particular local church. It is a small church. It is not one of the large ones, but it is the Oath Keeper Three Percenter Proud Boy Extremist church. And of course, a lot of uh, police officers, firefighters go there. This is a town that is heavy on those sort of people. These people were instructed to vote for the school board members that the church raised the campaign funds for. And that would be Jen Wersma, Danny Gonzalez, and um, Dr. Kromanovsky. I always say his name wrong because on my TikTok, I say Krombutsky. I just don't. <laughs> Um, it's just, uh, sorry. So, um, and one of the other things that I think people often miss as well is that the same church in the same time put a city council member in place with the same ideals. So we're dealing with a, uh, a full frontal attack where we've got the school board members just, the first thing they did was they came in and said, okay, out with CRT. 
couldn't tell us what it was, but out with it. And that was when parents in our town went, whoa, what's going on? Like, this is not what we signed up for. Um, They weren't campaigning, honestly, and letting everyone know that that's what they were doing. They kept it within their church and just appealed and appeared to be regular residents that just want to get in there. And as soon as they got in, out with CRT, they paid $15,000 of our money to bring in one of their friends to explain to all the black parents why CRT is bad for the feelings of white children. That was our money that paid for that. Um, We are not really allowed to speak freely at the meetings. They kick us out. Um, They recently put in a new structure where people can be guaranteed X amount of time as long as they sign up in advance. But um, the school board members act so immaturely. Uh, There are videos of Jen Wiersma getting up and posturing like she's getting ready to fight a school employee who was criticizing their crossing of boundaries. Um, They get up and leave when people are saying things they don't like or they speak to each other while someone is speaking, just fully disrespecting the parent or the teacher who has something to say. They ignore the children. Um, They just voted to ban all flags that aren't the United States flag or the California state flag. So that means and no that means no pride flags. Correct. And they made a point to specifically m- make sure that everyone knew that that's what this was really about. And to be clear, none of the schools were were flying pride flags or BM- BLM flags, but they just wanted to get on a microphone in front of their friends, their congregation members. I don't know if you've seen the recent meetings, but at this point, the room is just filled with literal Trumpers. They're wearing Trump hats, Trump flags, clapping whenever they refer to a gay person as a pervert or a groomer. And I hate using that language, so I'm sorry, guys. Um, clapping when they say that pride flags and BLM frag flags are problematic and divisive and exclusionary to Christians or to white kids. And what we are seeing is... First Amendment rights are only available for white Christian nationalists. That's really the bottom line here. They claim to be pro-parental rights. They claim that this is all about respecting parents above all, but they don't listen to the parents. We are issuing a recall and they are busy trying to spin it and saying that the teachers are trying to get them out or Democrats are trying to get them out. They're politicizing their roles and they're the ones politicizing. The parents are the ones trying to get them out. And it it is violent. They have stalked parents. Um, they dox children. Um, the person wait, that wait, I so think... Wait, wait, so what does that mean? They, they figure oh, out sorry. where kids live? Because some people don't know what dox means. Yes, actually. my apologies. And you know what? I, I was just working on a piece where I feel like we need to update the terminology because in the social media age, so much information is publicly available that that now becomes the excuse. People say it's not doxing because I found it on their Facebook. Right. And what this means is when you take someone's personal information and give it to your crowd of hungry followers and say, do with that what you will, that is, that's doxing. And it is no different than, um, I don't know if you remember the the woman, the bird watching in the park where the the black man asked her to put her dog on a leash because she was supposed to. And she instantly put on the cry voice and called the police talking about the, you know, um, it's essentially the same thing. It's, they put it out there and then they can put their hands up and say, it wasn't me. I just gave it to them. It's encouraging violence without you actually stating that you're encouraging violence. And that's what this person on Instagram is doing 
right now. Exactly. Um, and I feel like it should be some kind of a crime because when something bad happens, do these people get blamed? No, they don't. It should be. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't, sorry to cut you off, but um, it was important that uh, at the same time when they were banning these flags and talking about all the reasons why they don't want it, they also refused to provide protections for bullying of these students, for bullying of black or other minority ethnic students, of gay or trans students. They blocked that policy, leaving it open season on children like Jen Wersmo, whose own children have gotten into trouble for bullying gay children at school. So you who, understand who, wait, why. Who's, is Jane Wersmo one of the board members? Or Yes, okay. she is one of the board members put into place by the 412 church. Okay, interesting. I just want yeah. to mention that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. It's. I mean, I just want to mention that locally in the San Francisco Bay, Bay Area, and for those of you who aren't even in California, please know California is a majority Democratic state. It's a deep blue state. We have a super majority of Democrats uh, at, in the state legislature, and this is happening in California. Right. So please be vigilant and understand that people can come to your community no matter how you vote normally in the majority. And we have people now, we have chapters in Santa Clara County, which is right over the hill from us. We have chapters in San Mateo County. We have chapters in Contra Costa County. We just had a bomb threat uh, in in Davis, and I believe that's in Yolo County, um, which shut down like four schools in the district and the public library. Because they'll say, and I've heard them say this, oh, we're not banning books everywhere. We're not going to the library. Guess what? The library is always the next on the list. And we're seeing that already in red states where they're shutting down school libraries completely in Texas, for example, to set them up as like, you know, the 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 places where kids who are in trouble have to go and sit out there. Uh, detention or Saturday school or what have you. Because that's defending education. Let's get rid of the books and make sure that we can put kids in in-school suspension instead. Right, exactly. Yeah, so um, so anyway, and that, that's been happening here. You know, if Amy Westervelt had been here, we would have been talking a little bit about Christianity, but I know that's something that you can talk about too. Um, we are talking about basically the tentacles of fascism, with apologies to cephalopods, <laughs> and um, and how they've started to sort of reach into our into blue communities like our own. Uh, Christina Johnson is on the line with us, and Mayling Obanada, who's a researcher here for Moment of Truth, a roving roving reporter. Um, and we just had a Moms for Liberty meeting here. Uh, and what I was going to ask Amy Westervelt about if she had been able to join us was you know, these sort of underlying forces, because ultimately I'm not sure that a lot of the leadership of the Republican Party actually cares that much about trans issues. It feels in a way, and this is what I've read too, and our community came together, actually put out a statement in Lookout uh, signed by 44 different major organizations across the county to denounce the arrival of Moms for Liberty here. But basically, uh, the research in that op-ed and that I've seen myself is that the goal is to shut down public education. If you make it chaotic, if you make it a clown show, if you make it a place of strife uh, to be at a school board meeting or to be in a school, I mean, the way that they're attacking teachers is not making their lives any better. We know that most teachers are already underpaid and overworked. So, Christina, I, I don't know if you want to speak to if that goal 
And then we'll, we'll get into Christianity a little bit and how that fits in. Right. Or even, let's like, say evangelical Christianity, sorry. Right, that, that corporate Christianity. Um, yeah, so definitely end game for these Moms for Liberty and related groups is to dismantle the educational system as we know it and really get that money sent to what they want. I, I honestly believe that they just want Christian nationalist schools, that should be the norm. They want taxpayer funded religious indoctrinational institutions for the children. And that's what they're pushing for. And you're, you're absolutely correct. They are making it toxic and hostile for the teachers, for the administrators, for the students, for the parents. And what's wild is they're doing this in the name of protecting children or in the name of education or in the name of these things that sound good, but they are literally dismantling it before our very eyes bragging about it and then trying to use that as a platform to run for other offices like we have uh, Sonia Shaw over in Chino who is a essentially nobody uh, but got put into a school board seat again religiously funded and uh, she managed to single-handedly make that school one of the most understaffed schools in the district is not doing anything about it to fix it black parents are pulling their children from the schools because it's that toxic and hostile for them teachers are quitting and she's nowhere to be found she's not even attending school board meetings anymore she's flying around with Jack Hibbs trying to set herself up to run for governor against Gavin Newsom because Democrats are demonic and she's declaring holy war on taxpayer dollar. So, I mean, this is their their end goal is to really just make a huge dystopian mess of things that they can proclaim themselves kings and queens of as people who don't have anything and don't have, um, and by anything, I just mean the uh, the education or the professional experience to come in and make these decisions. These folks aren't teachers. They aren't administrators. They aren't educators. They aren't uh, formally trained in any of these things. We're talking about a bunch of angry church moms who just want to be in charge of something. And for some of them, it's the first time they've ever been on TV or the first time someone cared what they had to say. Right, because a lot well, of them end up on like Fox News or right. right wing talk shows. And right. so that's exciting, too. I mean, my understanding of the meeting in Watsonville was it was very much like a multi-level marketing um extravaganza where they had plants in the audience, you know, answering questions, asking questions, applauding. Um, Absolutely. It was estimated that almost half, you know, by one of the people who went to witness the meeting, half of the people there were actually plants. Um, right. So let's talk a little bit about Christianity. Okay. So, you know, I had my, I'm trying to refocus my mind here because I was so much thinking that we would tie it into the fossil fuel industry because Amy Westervelt talks a lot about, how the evangelical uh, Christians um, have really supported the fossil fuel industry. And I have some an interesting piece of information that I was putting out on my TikTok channel. Ooh. And that was um, from an article in Splinter online uh, news journal, August 8th, 2017, where they talked about how in 2005, the National Association of Evangelicals, led by Richard Sizek, put out a paper called For the Health of the Nation, and they approved this paper by unanimous vote of the board of the National Association of Evangelicals. And this paper was basically to promote stewardship of the earth and to allow for government help in this regard 
in particular around the issue of global global warming and climate change. This was the National Association of Evangelicals. Yeah, to, the quote is... Stewardship to of the earth. To protect God's creation and embrace government's help in doing so. Now, after this came out, immediately forces of fossil fuel industry propaganda started to smear Richard Sizek. Uh, there was a group called the Interfaith Stewardship Alliance, which is now called the Cornwall Alliance, which is funded by, of course, the fossil fuel industry that shut down this whole movement that just started sort of organically in the evangelical movement in 2005 to, quote unquote, stifle dissent. And this is from the article, the quote, to stifle dissent and environmental impulses within the evangelical church. Um, so the article is called How Fossil Fuel Money Made Climate Change Denial the Word of God. And we can come all the way up to Pastor Drollinger, who's now, uh, you know, who was when Trump was in office holding prayer meetings in the White House um, and basically fostering um, the evangelical um, propaganda, let's say, in alignment with the fossil fuel industry to confuse the issue of climate change, you know, so that money's going into the Heartland Institute, which I call the Heartless Institute. This is all <laughs> stuff that Amy Westervelt has really uh, tracked very closely. I'm wondering from your experience in terms of your experience with the church, because you come from, I believe, an evangelical church. Yes. Why does this hit? Like, how does this make sense to Christian people? The make sense is not a part of the factor. And it, that, that has nothing to do with the decision or anything. These folks, the purpose of, of the church or really the large scale institutionalized church is to provide validation and foot soldiers to whomever they're supposed to be supporting at that time. And whoever they are supposed to be supporting always seems to be someone who wants to bring us back, keep us from moving forward, keep us from progressing some way, somehow, even at the expense of our lives, our country, our planet. Um, so this is just another way for them to mobilize. It has nothing to do with what makes sense, if it's a good idea, if it's healthy, it has everything to do with money, upholding the status quo, upholding things as the way they are because the big wallets in charge don't want to see anything change or at least not anything change quickly. The game is already set up in their favor. Why would they want to change that? Right. The institutionalized, organized, organized church is there um, because they, they are the orchestra. You know, the maestro stands up and says, you know what? Coal is an American value. Oil, this is American family values. These are hardworking people just trying to get food for their families. How dare you want to take this away from them? And that's the lean. It's and, now yeah. Americana, and, like yeah. apple pie. And that actually, Amy Westervelt documents all of this in her podcast at the criticalfrequency.org website. We are going to get Amy West Westervelt on with us because... I mean, she has years and years of this kind of research where the fossil fuel industry was pouring money into every aspect of climate change denialism. Oh, I um, can't wait to have her. On. I know, I, I know. That'll be, I know, I can't wait either. Um, I have a question for you. So it's kind of scary, to be honest, um, when people are being ginned up and riled up to really think that other people are demonic or groomers or pedophile, you know, all the things that they say. 
which to me is a fascist rhetoric, right? Absolutely. So you are in the midst of it. And I see you on TikTok at Empress CJJ on TikTok, (laughs) um, just sort of like getting in their faces constantly, you know, and you've said, I won't shut up. And the more you tell me to shut up, the more I'm going to talk. Do you ever get scared? And what... Why do you do it? What do you think is necessary? So two questions. Are you scared? And why oh, yes. do you do it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I absolutely. Um, there is some fear there. And, um, you know, I, I've got kids. I'm worried for them. I'm worried for myself. I've seen how these people can go, um, how dark it can get. Uh, there's really no bottom to what they will do to quiet someone if they really, really want to. So as much as I get in their face, I try not to cross legal lines, but absolutely, I, I will keep keep talking. And I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question? Well, you were, do you get scared? And it's, you, I think you said it was, it was scary. And that's why you're speaking now. But I mean, it's like, you, you be, you know, I can see that you probably become a target. I know that one of the defense of democracy coordinators down there who we've had on the show had her yes. car had paint just poured all over her cars yes, on she Easter did. Sunday. Yeah, she did. Absolutely. And what's wild is, Probably what makes it even scarier is the fact that the authorities are in the pocket of these people in our town. It's a little bit of a hostage situation where we can't go to the police for help. The police protect the extremists. Oh, gosh. And so that is the, the scariest part about it is knowing that there is nowhere to turn. If you want to press charges, they won't do it. If, you know, um, it, it's just, it's wildly insane. And this is why that one pastor has crowned himself the king of the town because he's their chaplain. He really feels like he's pulling all the strings. Um, but you know what, we we have to do it. This is what it takes. It takes parents standing up and saying, no, I'm not gonna be quiet. I'm not gonna hush up. You're not gonna silence me with your fear mongering. I survived in these extremist churches. This is not new. They've done it to us um, for as long as I can remember, just turning the dogs out on whoever they don't like for whatever reason, big or small. Right. And at this point, the rest of the country is beginning to see that there is no bottom. There, there is no end to the depravity. Yeah. How low they will go. It's dangerous. And for I, it. you know, and I think that's our opportunity is to show people right. this is actually the face of the current GOP at this time, which I think we've laid out pretty clearly in the show. We're going to have to run, Christina. I really want to thank you for all the work you're doing for Absolutely. being a contributor to the show. Thank you so much, Mei Ling Obanada, who's on the research team for Moment of Truth. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much, Christina. Yeah. And so check out our, yeah, check out our show notes for the Critical Frequency website. We will have that up when we get our show notes up. It's been a little bit of a bumpy ride at KSQD. We had some of our recordings went offline for a while, but they're coming back up slowly. Um, Find Christina Johnson on TikTok at Empress CJJ. Our next show is with Sherry Mitchell, the indigenous author of Sacred Instructions, Indigenous Wisdom for Living Spirit-Based Change. October 16th, we're going to take it down a notch, and we're going to talk with someone who can speak to how to be resilient and grounded and how to do activism from a spiritual space. Um, So join us on October 16th for that interview with Sherry Mitchell. Moment of Truth gives many, many thanks to our team, Nyanko Nyasu, sound and tech engineer, and our research and production team, Nyanko, Mei-Ling Obanada, Todd Zimmerman, and Vara Ramakrishnan. 
Todd Zimmerman of Native Verse Studios created the theme song. Kathy Krizik created our logo. Thanks to our KSQD program manager, Howard Feldstein, and the entire KSQD team on the California Central Coast and the Monterey Bay area where this show originates. Thank you for tuning in to Moment of Truth. And remember, if we don't use our democracy, we lose our democracy. Please contact us if you like at amy at ksqd.org. Thank you so much for listening to Moment of Truth with Amy Chen Mills.